Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles if you have them today and go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're not going to read through this whole chapter here uh, for time's sake, but I just I want to, uh, before we uh, get to our text verse, I want to just kind of uh, summarize what's going on here in this chapter. But there was a man named John the Baptist, that uh, very well-known person in the Bible. He was he was a very special man. He was one that uh, was his purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way for the Lord. He was prophesied that this man was going to come. He was not the Messiah. It says in John one one, he was not that light. Uh, he was, but he was meant to prepare the way. He prepared the hearts. And this man, he lived in the wilderness. He ate. Bible says he ate locusts and wild honey. And he uh, he was kind of a, a crazy guy. He wore you know these hairy garments and things. And he went out there and he was a fiery preacher. I mean he he let it rip. He was one of these guys that just he he wasn't scared. He wasn't uh, he was he wouldn't have made a good politician. He wasn't very politically correct. And uh, he just told it how it was. And of course. Uh, because he did that, um, he had he had some enemies. Uh, he stood before uh, Herod, who was the king at that time, and Herod had unlawfully taken his brother's wife. He was living an adulterous relationship, and John the Baptist he called him out on it. And let me tell you, it didn't make Herod so mad, but it made his wife. Well, she was she was mad. I mean, she hated. She hated John the Baptist. She wanted to see him die. And you may remember the story where Herod's niece went and danced before him, and Herod said that he would give her whatever she wanted, and her mom got her to say the head of John the Baptist and a charger. Because Herod, while he didn't, I think he kind of liked John when you read the story, his wife hated him. And John the Baptist, I mean, he, Bible says, or Jesus said, Jesus said about John that there was no other man born among women like John. I mean, he was, he was the best of the best. This guy, he was a, he was a good guy, yet, he lived a very difficult life, and during this time and in this passage, John is in prison. Okay? Prison. Not pleasant. Prison, uh, I, I wouldn't say that prison's an easy thing. I don't think anybody in here would think that, but John's in prison, and John uh, he starts that he asks he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him a question. He said, "Are ye he that should come, or look we for another?" John was wondering, was Jesus really the Messiah? This is the same John that was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. You may remember the story when Mary came in the presence of Elizabeth, John's mother. Uh, she's pregnant with John. Uh, nobody knew Mary was pregnant yet, but when Elizabeth was in the presence of Mary, the babe leaped inside her because John, even full of the Holy Ghost, he knew even in his mother's womb that he was near the Messiah, and he got excited. I mean, this was a very special person, but he's he's having doubts. And Jesus, he tells, he tells those disciples to go and tell them about the miracles that are being done. And he, uh, he tells them all these things. And, you know, I can kind of understand John having some doubts. I mean, he's going through a very difficult time right now. But after all these things, after we're talking about, after talking about a guy 
who's lived what we would call a difficult life. I mean, he's lived in the wilderness. He eats locusts and wild honey. This After this guy who has done nothing but do what God wants him to do, gets thrown into prison, Jesus makes a statement here that if we're... In a way, if we look at it, if we're not careful, we can think there's no way this can be right. I'm here to tell you that if the Bible says something, it's right. Okay, if Jesus said something, it's right. It might not line up with our way of thinking, but you can rest assured He's telling the truth. And He says in Matthew 11, verse 28, He says, "...Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'll help me today as I try to get a message across, Lord. I believe it's very important. I pray you'll help everyone to see it, Lord. And even if we don't understand it completely, God, I'll admit I don't totally understand everything about this. But Lord, I pray you'll help all of us to trust You. To know that if You say it, Lord, that it is, that it is so. And I pray You'll uh, just help. That it will encourage people, Lord. And be a help. In Your name we pray. Amen. So we've been talking about a guy who's lived a rough life. He's in prison. And Jesus says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And He says, My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now that statement there that Jesus said, it does not line up with a lot of what you hear Christian people say. It doesn't line up with a lot of what I've heard preachers say in the past from the pulpit. Many times you'll hear people talk about how hard it is to be a Christian in this day and age and about how hard it is to serve God and about how hard it is to live for the Lord in this wicked world. And yes, uh, yeah, there are challenges. I'll agree. There's difficulties. I'll agree. But if Jesus says that His yoke is easy and His burdens light, you'll hear Him talk about the heavy burdens that they're carrying. And boy, the you know just the burdens of being a Christian or the burdens of being a pastor are just are so many. But Jesus said that His burden is light. Now, how can He say that when everybody else is saying something completely different and when all evidence seems to be opposite? Well. I think if we're going to understand this, first of all, there's some things that we need to look at and uh, some of the reasons that people think this statement can't be true. And one of those reasons is because Christians do go through hard times. They do. A lot of times when people get saved, uh, I've seen this before, it's like they think, well, if I sign up for Christianity, that's going to make my life easy. I'm not going to have any problems anymore. If I get saved, well, then I'll just be able to quit sinning just like that. And although, you know, I was addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever, and I'm just going to be able to, you know, get rid of it. No. That's not exactly what it, that's not exactly what it means. It's still going to, you're still going to have battles. Oh, well, if I get saved, does that mean I don't have to worry about, uh, any, anything bad happening to my family? I mentioned the, the Kretzman family. They're serving God. They're trying to get out in the mission field. They lose their daughter. That doesn't sound very easy. That sounds pretty hard, if you ask me. And uh, Christians think, but yeah, Christians are they? They go through hard times too. So that can't be the case. What was Jesus talking about? Second Timothy three twelve says, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." That doesn't sound easy. That sounds 
Kind of hard if you ask me. The verse before that, verse 11, Paul's writing and he says, "...persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured." Paul, he went through some, he went through some hard times. But he makes a statement after that. He says, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So yes, Christians do go through hard times, but you know what? So do lost people. Lost people go through hard times too. Lost people lose family members. Lost people get sick. Lost people have burdens and difficulties. But you know what? The lost, something that we can say as Christians that the lost can't say is through them all, the Lord delivered me. Paul said, I went through some battles. I went through some difficult things. But through them all, in all those things, God delivered me. The lost can't say that. Now yes, we, we go through some things that are tough. I can think of some of the battles that I've gone through. But at the same time, I can tell you that every step of the way that God was there with me. That God got me through every one of those things. And while yes, that might seem hard, it's a whole lot easier than not having God with you. I can't imagine if I'd have been on my own in those. There's things right now. You know, in my life, there's battles and giants that I'm facing right now that I can see. But I know that through them all, God's going to deliver me. I can't imagine not having that uh, that knowledge or that uh, peace of knowing that God's going to be there. The lost people go through hard times, but without the Lord's deliverance. The lost don't have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when somebody that they love dies. 1 Thessalonians 4 said, uh, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. I've been to funerals before. I've had people that I care about that have died before. So have lost people. But one hope that I have is that while I sorrow, it's not like other people. Because I know that I'm going to see that person again. I know I know I'm going to see them again. I can't imagine losing a child. I can't imagine what the Kretzman family is going through right now. But one thing that they know is that they're going to see their daughter again someday. I can't imagine losing one of my children and believing or knowing that I'm never going to see them again. Never, ever, ever again. It's not like that. It's not like that for us. I don't know if you ask me, I think it's easier being a Christian. The lost don't have James 5.14-15 when they are sick. The Bible says, "...is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him." Right here is evidence that it's okay to pray if you're sick and you have somebody pray for you if you're going through an illness. because And God said the prayer... That prayer, it will, it'll, it can help them. Listen, Christian people get sick. Lost people get sick. Thank God we have prayer and I believe it works. I do. I believe it works. It might not get rid of every little thing, but at the same time, we have peace and know, I have peace in knowing that whatever physical difficulty I have, that if it's going to take me out, it's going to have to be in the will of God. It's going to have to be God's will. And if it's God's will, then it's for the good. And that's okay as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying I want to die right now. I'm not saying if I find out I had cancer, I'm not going to go and do whatever I can to get rid of it. 
I'd do whatever I could, but I also know and I have that peace of knowing that this thing can't take me out without God's okay. And I and lost people get sick, saved people get sick. I'd rather be a Christian, a sick Christian than a sick lost person. Because at least we have that hope. We have prayer. Also, the lost don't have 1 Corinthians 10.13 when they're being tempted. Listen, there's a lot of temptations out there. It is, it is difficult to do the right thing in this world that we live in. There are, some, there are temptations out there. It's worse now than it ever was, I believe, as far as temptations go. But 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, "...there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above the ear able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it." I don't know if you caught all that. That's a good verse. 1 Corinthians 10.13. You might want to underline that. But for the sake, there Bible says there is no... God will not suffer. He will not allow a temptation to come along that you can't handle. Did you know that every time you give in to temptation, it wasn't because you had to? If your kids ever try to do that, you know, mom, you know, my sister was picking on me, and I just had to push her. I had to do it. I had to hit her back. You know, mom, dad, I know I got trouble at school, but I had to mouth off to my teacher. You don't understand what they were putting me through. I had to do it. I had no choice. People do that all the time. You don't know the situation, and I had to do it. Listen, my Bible says God will not allow a temptation that is greater than you can handle. And he said, with that temptation, God's going to make a way of escape. You might not find that way of escape until the last minute, but there's going to be a way of escape. God's not going to put, God doesn't want you to sin. He doesn't want you to sin. Therefore, God is, and He's going to be there with you, and He will make a way of escape. You just have to trust Him. The lost don't have that though. They, they get into temptations all the time, and then they give in to them. And then they have to deal with the consequences of it. It doesn't have to be that way for us. I don't know if you ask me, I think it's a whole lot easier being a Christian dealing with temptations than a lost person. But also, the lost, they don't have that friend that sticks closer than a brother when their friends forsake them. Our Bible says that Jesus, He sticks closer than a brother. They don't have that. You know, you're, tell you, you're gonna find, there's gonna be times in your life, even as a Christian, where you're gonna, you may find yourself all, all alone. Nobody's standing with you. You're all alone as far as people are concerned, but God will be there with you through all of it. You have that promise. You have that guarantee. He'll give you peace. He'll give you comfort. We sang, just sang the song, The Comforter Has Come. We don't have Jesus Christ here on this earth with us anymore. He's not here on this earth. But Jesus told His disciples, but when I go, I'm going to send you a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit that's there with us, that indwells us. And He's there and He comforts us and He helps us get through difficult times. But the lost, they face burdens and struggles, but at the same time, there's no reward for them to look forward to. The Apostle Paul, who went through probably more than anybody, one thing he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4-7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall the righteous judge shall give to me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Let me tell you, you might go through some hard times as far as we're concerned, but I believe with all my heart that when you get the reward for that, you're gonna say, you know what? That was nothing. Compared to the reward I got, 
If I had all told you that I spent all day yesterday, I spent eight hours yesterday doing nothing but dig ditches. Boy, you all might feel sorry for me and say, man, you must be sore, you must be hurting a lot. But then if I told you I got paid $10,000 to do it, you wouldn't feel sorry for me anymore. A lot of times people say, I feel sorry for them football players, man. Out there playing in that freezing cold. Boy, I mean, that, boy, that stuff, I feel sorry for them. You wouldn't if you saw their paychecks. You, that sympathy would go away quick. And let me tell you, we might go through some things on this earth that seem difficult, but if we knew what the payout was when we got to heaven, we wouldn't be complaining a whole lot. You wouldn't hear us, you wouldn't hear us crying. I get a little aggravated when these athletes are always going on strike and stuff because they're not getting enough money. I'm telling you, I don't feel sorry for them. I don't. I know what they get paid. And they, they have, there's no reason for us to have pity on them. And if, I've read in the Bible what God's going to do for us. I've read about heaven. I've read about the rewards. And let me tell you, whatever we go through, we don't have any business complaining about it. It's nothing compared to what God's going to do. There's one verse in the Bible that talks about being repaid a hundredfold. Nobody's given up anything for Christ. And we have that guarantee. The lost, they receive a corruptible crown, but the Bible says we and incorruptible in 1 Corinthians 9.25. The things that the lost get in this earth, they're temporary. They're only good for a little while. The things that we gain as Christians, the things that uh, the rewards that we get, they last for all eternity. Uh, if you ask me, I think it's easier being a Christian. The labors of man, the work that you do as, as a man or a woman, the best that you can gain as far as eternity goes is an eternity in hell. That's all our works can accomplish. But the works of the saved, they earn a crown of life. James 1.12 talks about. Thank God for that. I'm glad I don't have to work my way to heaven. My works, they're not going to get me, they're not going to get me anywhere. But thank God, there was a day when I put my faith and trust in Christ. And not only do I have heaven to look forward to, but God is going to reward me for the works that I do. If you ask me, it's a whole lot easier being a Christian. Another reason though many Christian people don't believe in this verse is they just have this attitude that we deserve a life of ease. Matthew chapter 11, 6 says, And blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus was, uh, he said there's going to be people that are offended because of me. An offense, uh, it's like a stumbling block. It's something that causes people to fall. Did you know there are things that, listen, we don't, we don't want to offend people. We gotta be very careful. But sometimes the gospel, it is an offense to people. Sometimes Christianity is an offense to people. For, for example, many times people they do, they get saved and they don't know the Bible well yet. That's why we gotta do what we, the best we can to try to train people and teach them the Word of God. And they think that, alright, I'm saved. Now things are gonna finally get better. Now things are gonna be easy and difficulties come and they think, what's going on? God has forsaken me. God has abandoned me. And they get offended and they quit. They get offended uh, and they give up. They think that everything was supposed to be easy. I'm here to tell you there's, there's nowhere in the Bible that says challenges aren't going to come. It's not there. It's, uh, so we read the verse that says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But, I think you can see here that it's still a whole lot better than being lost. It's still it's still the best way to go. 
But the Bible, the Bible never says that we're not going to have problems. But what the problem is, is we're just so focused on today. That's, a, that's the mentality of the world today. People today, for the most part, they're only thinking about today. Battles that are fought and won today, they mean an easier tomorrow. For, for example, it's a whole. It, I think you all would agree. What, which is easier? Is it easier to sleep in every day and not go to work, not show up on time, or is it easier to get up early and go to work? I mean, what's easier? Staying home all day watching TV or going out there and sweating and doing the labor? I think we would all agree that in a sense it's easier to sit at home and not do anything, but who's going to have the easier life when payday comes around? Who's going to have an easier time paying their bills? Who's going to have, you know, who's going to have an easier time keeping their job? Who's going to have an easier time maybe getting the next job? It's going to be the one who does the harder thing today. When we do, when we do the harder things today, it makes the next day easier. And that's the, that's the problem is people are thinking so much about today, they're actually making their, their, they're making their tomorrows harder. It's not easy, you know, raising children. It's not, it would be a whole lot easier for me as a parent when my kids get out of hand to just say, Watch the television. You know, let that be the babysitter. Let that raise them. Let that train them. That would be easier, but then there's going to be some consequences later that aren't going to be too easy. There's going to be some things that I'm not going to want to have to deal with. If I want to have an easier tomorrow, I've got to do the work today. Yielding to temptation today is easier, but when you consider the long-term effects, doing right is always easier. It's always easier. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, the Bible talking about Moses, it said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses, he knew, he knew that sin had pleasure. He knew that there was uh, some joy that would come with sin. It would have been easier for him to have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It would have been easier for him to claim to have been an Egyptian. But the Bible says that he chose to suffer because he understood, he had the wisdom to know that while being an Egyptian would make today easier for me, it's going to be a whole lot harder as far as eternity goes. And thank God, Moses did the right thing. And many, it's easier to stay home and sleep in and go to church, especially on daylight savings time. You all lost an hour of sleep last night. It would have been easier to say, you know, I'll sleep in today. But then, you know, you, you might have missed something from the Word of God that could have been a help to you. you uh, I mean, you've disobeyed what God has wanted you to do. And many people, they always are only thinking about that day. Kids are like that. you got to be trained to opposite. Kids, they, they think about today. That's why, you know, a kid... They have no problem living on candy if you'll let them. Because they don't understand yet the long-term effects that that can have on you. You don't really figure that out until you're an adult and you're starting to suffer some of those effects from doing it the wrong, from doing it the wrong way for so long. Uh, you know, my kids right now, Jason for example, he'd, qu- he'd quit school tomorrow if we'd let him. Right now, he'd, he'd quit. He'd be done. He'd never do it again. And guess what? That would be easier for him. It would be a lot easier if every day he could just play video games and watch TV. 
That would be easier today. But what do you think his future is going to be like when he's trying to get a job? If he decides he wants to, you know, he wants to raise a family and he wants to provide for them and he wants to support them, what do you think? You think that's going to be easy? No, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be it's going to be difficult. And that's why we've got to focus on. Uh, we've got to be thinking about the future when we make our decisions. There's going to be things that God's going to tell you to do that sound hard, but they're going to make your tomorrow easier. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, says that at this time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And then come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, that text verse that we read, God is trying. He's, he's trying to tell them. He said, "You revealed these things unto babes. The wise people they don't get this, but you've revealed them. He's revealed them to his people, and that's why the world doesn't always understand the things that we do. That's why sometimes they look at us and they can't really figure out why you do things the way you do. You know, there are some things that are spiritually discerned. There are some things that God helps us with, and the world." They they don't see it. They don't get it. They just see the difficulty that's going to bring them today. But God, He tries to get us to look to the future. And that's what we've got to do. But sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we think we're the only people in the world suffering. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Did you know right there that I think even if you were a lost person, that would make your life a whole lot easier if you would just not focus so much on yourself, but look on other people's problems. And not, not to judge them, but as, as a way to see that, you know what, we haven't got it that bad. You know, there might, you might be going through some things, but I can guarantee there's somebody out there that's got it worse. There's always somebody poorer. There's always, there's always somebody that's hurting more. There's always somebody sicker. It could always be worse, but many times we get so focused on ourselves we cannot see that. Have you ever known somebody that seemed like they were always complaining and talking about how rough their life was, and while at the same time, I mean, it's like it was obvious that you were in a worse situation. You know, maybe they come and they're, you know, you're you're standing out by your car. You know, maybe your car it's a rust bucket and it's falling apart. It's not running good. And they go and they got a car that's twice as nice as yours, and they're just talking about how rough they've got it because they got this piece of junk automobile that they have to deal with, and they don't know why God's judging them like this. And and you're thinking, wait, look at me, I got it a whole lot worse than you do. You know, they're wearing they're wearing nicer clothes than you are, and talking about they don't have any money for clothes and things like. And it's like they can't even see that you're way worse off. I can't stand people like that. Just that kind of that kind of gets on my nerves. Have you ever had somebody maybe they come up to you and they're talking about how fat they are and you weigh more than they do? It's like, what's wrong with you? It's like, you know, it's like they're insulting you. But the thing is, they don't see it. They're so focused on themselves that they can't they can't see it. You could be laying in a hospital dying, and they're talking about their toe ache, how hard it is, and asking you to pray for them. 
<laughs> it's just it's just the way a lot of people think. They get so focused on themselves. But the Bible says, look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. When we get to uh, praying for other people and trying to help other people, those kind of things are going to help us get the focus off ourselves. We're not going to be feeling sorry for ourselves so much. We're going to realize that we don't have it so bad. That's why I think it's a good thing if you can go and visit you know, go on a mission trip, visit a foreign country, go to a third world country, you're gonna have a real tough time feeling sorry for yourself. You know, go and visit people in a hospital or in the nursing home and you see some of the things these folks are going through. It'll make you feel it'll make you realize you haven't got it so bad. My dad just told me he told me this week um, that he went to a funeral of a lady sweet lady. She was at the nursing home that we used to go to in Peru, and this lady, boy, both her legs were completely gone. Her hands were all shriveled up from the arthritis and thing. I mean, she just, I mean, to look at her, I mean, she was in bad shape. But this lady, boy, she always had the biggest smile on her face. Boy, she'd come, boy, we'd be there singing, and she would just, I mean, just be loving it. And afterwards, she'd go and, you know, she'd try to shake your hand, and she couldn't even really open her hand to shake your hand. But you just kind of have to, you know, take her hand and shake it, and she would just be thrilled to death. And boy, you would talk to this lady, and you would be so encouraged. Just the happiest lady in the world. I mean, you walk in there feeling sorry for yourself. After talking to this lady, you didn't do that anymore. And she was one that you would think could be in a bad mood, think that could be feeling sorry for herself, but she never did that. She and she was just she was a dear lady, I believe. Well, she was truly saved and had the Holy Spirit that was comforting her, and then she got her joy from the Lord. And I believe she's in heaven today, no longer dealing with any of those physical problems. She's got two legs, she's got hands that can work, and she's a whole lot better off than I am right now. And. I guarantee you, if you try to talk to her about those years, and she was she was there for a long time. She was I'm, we we kind of watched as she was uh, you know would lose more and more of her legs all the time. But I guarantee you, if you asked her today, she'd say it's nothing, no big deal. God took care of me. God's rewarded me. She's in heaven. She's forgotten all about it. One thing we forget is that what we really deserve today is to spend eternity in hell. That's what we that's what we deserve. God, when He created hell, the Bible says that He created it for the devil and his angels. It wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. But when man sinned, man fell. Man's destination was going to be the same as the devil and his angels. But God made a way of escape for us. We didn't deserve it. He did it because of His mercy. And let me tell you that the hardest trial that you could ever face on earth is a whole lot easier than an eternity in hell. I don't know. I believe... It's easier to be a Christian. Many times, or another reason, lastly, that people don't believe this verse is they don't think that being yoked or controlled is an easy thing. He says, my yoke is easy. Those yokes, they would put those wooden yokes on them that would kind of keep the cows together and it made it so the guy you know, driving the cart could steer them and get them to do what they wanted to do. And we live in a society today that doesn't want anybody telling them what to do. They don't want any kind of restriction on their life. They don't want any kind of yoke and their life, but let me tell you, we need it. We're, we're, our sin nature is going to lead us to destruction every single time. We think that we know what's best. We think that our way is best. We want to have that attitude. If it feels good, just go ahead and do it. But that always leads to destruction. And I'm here to tell you today that we want, we want to be yoked. 
Christ. We want Him to control us. I remember when I was when I was younger. I remember, you know, I was I was pretty yoked by my parents. You know, they they kind of controlled everything. And I remember when I got out of my own and I got to where I was able to make some of the choices. I I almost didn't like it. I thought I kind of liked it better when Dad just told me everything to do and I didn't have to worry about tough choices. But you know, it got me dependent on God and trusting Him. And you know what? I tried to stay close to Him, be yoked by Christ, because I know that He's not going to lead me astray. He's not going to lead me in the wrong way. Our mentality compared to God's mentality is probably pretty close to the mentality of a cow compared to the farmer. Let me tell you, when we need to be yoked, but people don't like that. But let me tell you, a yoke is only difficult when you try to go your own way. The reason many people's lives are as difficult as they are as Christians is because they're constantly fighting God. They're constantly trying to rebel against God. They don't want to follow His Word. They don't want to do what He says to do. And it's made things difficult. But the yoke is something that God can use to help guide us and to help us avoid problems. God's a good God. He's going to try to... There's there's obstacles that are out there. There's pits out there. And He's going to keep us away from those things because He does not want us to get hurt. He doesn't want us to suffer unnecessarily. And we've got to trust Him. And one thing that people also need to understand, and that many people just don't want to admit, but whether they admit it or not, it's still the truth, is all of us are yoked to something. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You might say, I'm not going to be yoked to anybody. I'm not going to be yoked to God. Okay, well that's fine. That means you're yoked to the devil. You're yoked to sin. You are controlled by sin. You're, you're controlled by something. It's either going to be God or it's going to be sin. And the Bible says, stand fast therefore in the liberty. When we're yoked to Christ, that's where real freedom is at. Is in Jesus Christ. You say you want to be free? Then follow the Word of God. Submit your will to God's will. He'll give, He'll give you freedom. I, I believe that I, I'm a free person. I do. People that sometimes they look at the rules and things or and the the standards and things that I've put in my life and they think, man, that's hard. I wouldn't want to do that. I'm here to tell you today that I, I don't I look at it as freedom. I look at it as liberty. I want to be yoked to Christ. We need to remember that we have to live in the same world as the lost, the one that with sickness and sorrow and crying and pain. But one thing that we have to look forward to that they don't is a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible talks about in Revelation 24 where it says, "...and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away." We have a lot to look forward to as Christians that the lost don't. So, you ask me, do you agree with this verse that says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light? I sure do. Yeah, there's challenges. But when you compare them to what God is going to bless us with in eternity, when you compare them to what they could be if we were lost, it's absolutely nothing. Yes, it is. It is. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I've, I've, I've had heavy burdens in my life. 
But I have the ability, if I choose to, a lot of times we don't. We can give our burdens to Christ. The Bible says to cast our burdens upon the Lord. He wants to carry them. Many times people say, I'd rather do it myself. And that's why things are so hard for them. But when we, the easiest life in the world is a life that's surrendered to Christ. It's, it will always be easier. You'll have challenges. You'll have rough days. But your tomorrows will be better. And I, and I say all this today because you know I'm, I'm planning on in the next several weeks many of the things that I'm, I'm planning on preaching on. Many people might look at that and hear that and say that is too hard. I could never do that. Uh, you have no idea. It would it would make your life easier. It'd make your life better. If you would do that, you might have some difficult todays, but you're going to have some much better tomorrows. But you have to have that faith. You have to have that faith and trust Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. If He said it, you can mark it down, even though it might not fit our understanding or our way of thinking, it is true. Trust Him and you'll find out that every time, Jesus is right. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.